Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show at, on Twitter, at go for again. While you're there on Twitter, at go for again, make sure you follow me on, or at, I should say, go for again. Also, also, you can uh, chat with us here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can chat with us here, right here, right now. Chat with us at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. We can chat it up. Have a good old time. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former Creighton basketball star Josh Jones. And Josh has an interesting story. He had a heart condition that uh, forced him to stop playing basketball. Creighton, we all know, has some success in the NCAA tournament. And they did some great things in the NCAA tournament. But Josh, right now, basketball, he had to give it up. And we're going to talk to Josh about his, his battle and his struggle right now. Um, and it's not really a battle or struggle per se, per se because he pretty much has come to grips that his career is done. Playing basketball is done for him. But we're going to talk to him about his story, a great, great story. Also, expect to be joined by Eastern Michigan, former Eastern Michigan linebacker Justin Cudworth, as he prepared for the upcoming NFL draft. NFL draft, less than two weeks away, about two weeks away, the NFL draft will get started and underway. We're going to talk to Justin as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And also, the sheriff will be joining us, Brian Sheriff. Tell us what to watch this weekend. Tell us what is on in the world of sports this weekend. We're going to talk to Brian about all the great things that's going on. Lakers battling for their playoff lives. The Masters, of course, tradition like no other. Uh, A lot of great things, baseball as well. A lot of great things going on this weekend, so... We're going to talk to the sheriff, Brian Sheriff, about some of those great things going on this weekend. And I want to start in the NBA. And it's coming down to the wire in the NBA for the Lakers. And we've been talking about the Lakers throughout the course of this season. The Lakers, 42-37, and 37, 79 games in, three more to play. Three more to play. And they have a one-game lead up on the Utah Jazz. Lakers in the eighth seed currently. Utah Jazz currently in the ninth seed and are a game behind the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, you look at this whole situation, and we, we Kobe Bryant the other night was absolutely sensational. 47 big points. I mean, it just did it all. Eight rebounds some blocks, about four blocks, some steals. I mean, he did it all. He did it all. 
for the Los Angeles Lakers, and he willed the Lakers, played 48 minutes, 48 minutes, just willed the Lakers to victory against the Portland Trailblazers. Again, I mean, Lakers are fighting for the playoff lives, and Portland has always been a tough place to play for the Los Angeles Lakers over the years. And granted, Portland hasn't been playing his best basketball this year, but the Los Angeles Lakers still have had problems in Portland. And Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers did their thing the other night and and really, really played big-time basketball. Kobe did. 47 big points. Did it all. Filled the stat line. Was a stat sheet stuffer, Kobe Bryant, that Kobe Bryant was. And ultimately, the Lakers will win that ball game. But now the Lakers, three games left, including tonight, at home against Golden State. Final three games they play are, are at home. So they have three games left, all at home, Golden State, San Antonio, and Houston. All three of those games are in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. That bodes well with the Lakers with a one-game lead. Tiebreaker, if the Jazz and the Lakers were to be tied, would go to the Utah Jazz. So that's something to keep in mind as we go down to the wire here. The tiebreaker would go to the Utah Jazz if the Lakers and the Jazz were tied at the end of the season. But the Lakers have the advantage. Their final three games are at home. That's an advantage for the Lakers. They don't have to go on the road again. They do not have to go on the road again. So they have a one-game lead, and their final three games are at home. You look at the Utah Jazz now. Three games left for them. Their last two games are on the road. A home and ho- a home and away with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Home tonight with the Timberwolves. Then they travel to Minnesota on Monday. And they end up April 17th, Wednesday, at the Memphis Grizzlies. So, you look at the Utah Jazz's schedule. You have to say, well, here's the deal. The, the Timberwolves are not playing for much. Not playing for nothing. Playing absolutely to, to play out the string. That, that's what they're doing, the Utah Jazz. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves, excuse me. But the Memphis Grizzlies at home against Memphis, that's probably a game that really won't matter much to the Memphis Grizzlies. Not a game that will really matter much for the Grizzlies at this point. So, well, the Grizzlies are actually battling to get that fourth seed. They're in the fifth seed currently. A game behind the Los Angeles Clippers. A game behind the Clippers. So the thing about it is, the Jazz, if, if you're the Grizzlies, well, I was thinking the Grizzlies wouldn't have anything to play for, but they would. Two games behind the Denver Nuggets for the third slot. So the, the Grizzlies, if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you want to try to get that fourth spot. You want to try to leapfrog the Los Angeles Clippers. And it, this will be a rematch of their series uh, last year. Great series, by the way, Jazz and uh, the Grizzlies and Clippers. Great, great series. Won seven games. Great series. And the Clippers went into Memphis and finished them off. That was a great series. That was a great series. So I wouldn't mind seeing that series again. <laughs> Not at all. But anyway, the game is going to mean something for the Grizzlies, probably. Probably will mean something to them. And we won't know uh, until probably next week or well maybe the end of the weekend, we'll have a better idea. But the game is probably going to mean something to the Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies, looking at it now, that game against the Jazz last game of the season is going to mean something to them. So we should see. We'll see how they play it. 
You got Golden State who plays the Lakers tonight. Golden State fighting to stay in that sixth spot. Fighting to stay in that sixth spot. And I think if you're Houston, who is a half a game behind Golden State, you want to try to get into that sixth spot because I think you would have a better shot against Denver than you would against either San Antonio or Oklahoma City. So I think you would try. You would want to try to get to that sixth spot. For selfish reasons, I hope that the Houston Rockets stay in seven, and I hope that the San Antonio Spurs go to one, and I hope the Oklahoma City Thunder stay at two. Well, go back to two because they're at one currently, half a game ahead of the Spurs and for the top spot in the Western Conference. So I would like to see, and this is what I would like to see, OKC go to two, San Antonio go to one, the Lakers stay at eight, and the, the Rockets stay at seven. But we'll see how this thing plays out. The Rockets have a legit shot at the sixth spot. They have a legit shot at the sixth spot. Will they get it? We shall see. So a lot of, I mean, everybody, the teams are set in terms of who's going to be in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference, we're just fighting for that one spot. That's the eighth spot, and that comes down to Jazz and the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. I hope the Lakers get in, and I heard people say this, but this is also true. What is the playoffs without the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, the Lakers belong in the playoffs. Do I do I think they can do any damage in these playoffs? Probably not. I, I don't see how they can do any damage in these playoffs. They 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 hadn't had they really have not had a lot of success against the top teams in the Western Conference. And obviously they're going to be, since they're going to be the AC, they're going to be, either be playing San Antonio or Oklahoma City. And if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, I'd rather be San Antonio than the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I, and I say rather be San Antonio for this fact. You look at San Antonio, this is a team that, that has had some struggles in terms of injury, Ginobili. Parker, I mean, so, and those are two big guys. They're two main guys, Duncan as well. But, I mean, you can say that Ginobili and Parker are even more important than Duncan at this stage of Tim Duncan's career. But I look at the Lakers. If the Lakers can slide in at eight, and I think they would hope and want San Antonio to stay at, to go up to one, and I think they would rather play San Antonio than Oklahoma City. And if I if they play San Antonio and, and you know the uncertainty with Ginobili and you know Parker in and out of the lineup at this point, you never know what could happen. I mean, Kobe Bryant, he's getting older, but guess what? He played 48 minutes the other night and scored 47 big points. He played 47 48 minutes last night and basically got a minute a point. 48 minutes for Kobe Bean Bryant the other night. Eight rebounds, five assists, three steals, four blocks, and only one turnover. He was a stat sheet stuffer. He stuffed the stat sheets 14 for 27. Shot over 50% in this particular ballgame. He was a stat sheet stuffer in this particular game. And maybe Kobe can turn back the clock. And, I mean, obviously he still has a lot of – he still has game. He still has game, but he's getting older. He's an older player at this point, 34 years old. He's an older player. Been in the league 18 years, 16 years, excuse me. 
but he is an older player. Older player. This is the 17th season in the league. But the thing about Kobe, you never doubt the Black Mamba. And that was one of the reasons, and I said this before, I'll say it again, one of the reasons I never said definitively that the Lakers were not going to make the playoffs. I couldn't say it. It was just too much talent on the roster. You have Kobe, Bean, Bryant. You have Dwight Howard. And the list goes on on Steve Nash, Pau Gasol, so on and so forth. You have all those guys. There's no way I can say definitively that you won't make the playoffs. I can't say it. I, I can't say it. But I will say this. I will say this. If I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, I would rather play the San Antonio Spurs in Oklahoma City. San Antonio, you know, injury-wise, they're a team that's vulnerable because of their injuries. They're a vulnerable team. So I look at San Antonio, and that's the group I would want to play. I think I think Oklahoma City would just run them out the building. Lakers don't do well with very athletic teams that just run up and down the court. You look at the Clippers. Clippers just swept the Lakers, just ran them out the building. In each and every game, just was seemed to be the same way. Clippers going up and down the court, running them out the building, running them out the building. So that's what you've seen. That's what you've seen with the Clippers and Lakers. And I think that's what Oklahoma City would do. I think Oklahoma City would just run the Lakers out the building. So I don't think the Lakers have no shot against Oklahoma City. Lakers have a shot, I think against the San Antonio Spurs. No shot against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm not saying they'll beat any of these teams, to be honest with you. I mean, the Lakers are what they are. Five games over 500. They are what they are. They are what they are. A team that's battling just to get into the playoffs. And that's just, you know, I I, I talked about this before when it comes to the Lakers, and I'm just, it's mind-boggling to see that the Lakers, with all the talent and what they have assembled, that they're just fighting for their playoff lives. When we looked at the start of this season and we looked at the Lakers, we wouldn't think they would be fighting for their playoff lives. We wouldn't think they would be fighting for their playoff life. No, not at all. We would think that the Lakers – We'll be fighting for the first seed, second seed, third seed at worst. But the Lakers now, they are what they are. They are what they are. And you wonder what the Lakers are going to look like moving forward. I mean, what are they going to look like after this season? They'll probably make the playoffs. I'm predicting at this point that the Lakers will make the playoffs. I predicted that a few weeks back, and I'm sticking with that prediction, obviously. I think the Lakers will make the playoffs. I really do. But do I think the Lakers will make any noise in the playoffs? They play San Antonio. They have an opportunity to make to, to be in a competitive series. Not only be in a competitive series, but I think they have an opportunity to beat the Spurs. Oklahoma City, no. No shot. Spurs, they have a shot. They have a shot. Not saying they'll win. Not saying that they'll win. But what I'm saying is they have a shot. They have a shot. But again, the Los Angeles Lakers, and and this this comment that I'm about to make you would think was blasphemous 
back in September, back in October, November, even for that matter. The Lakers, December too, the Lakers are fighting for their playoff lives. The Lakers may not make the playoffs. You never thought you would hear that those words being uttered. You never thought you would hear that. But it is what it is. And I look at this Laker team, and this Laker team, we'll see what what happens moving forward. But they'll make it. To, they'll make the playoffs if they're fortunate enough. They'll play the San Antonio Spurs, a team that you know. You look at the two times the Lakers played the Spurs. You know they played the Spurs fairly competitive back in November at home, eighty four eighty two loss to the San Antonio Spurs. A competitive game, a competitive game. It was a very competitive game. And if it wasn't for Danny Green, maybe the Lakers win that game. Danny Green hits a big shot. It's a big-time shot. And ultimately, the Spurs will win. But that was back in November. That was back in November. And that was a long time ago. But these two teams did meet up again in January in San Antonio. Lakers tried to rally back against the Spurs. Spurs were in control for a good part of that game, but the Lakers made a big-time rally in the end. But they wasn't good enough as the Spurs won that game as well. But the Lakers competed. The Lakers competed, and in that game, Dwight Howard, Powell Gasol, and Jordan Hill were out. So the Laker bigs were out in that particular game. They were out. They were out in that game. So the Lakers were shorthanded. And almost won. Almost won. And San Antonio had all their key guys. Had all their key guys in the mix in that particular ball game. Does it look like I'm I'm trying to make a case here that the Lakers possibly could beat the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series? The more I look at it, the more I see it as a possibility. I see it as a possibility that the Lakers could actually beat the Spurs in a seven-game series. They could. not saying they will, but they could. And they play the Spurs one final time, and that is Sunday. Big game in, in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. Big game for the Lakers. Big game for the Spurs. They're trying to get that number one spot in the Western Conference. So big game for both teams. So we'll see how that, that, that looks and see how that game plays out. But the Lakers, and I'll repeat myself, have a shot against the San Antonio Spurs. So if I'm a Lakers fan, if you're a Lakers fan out there, I'm hoping and wishing that the San Antonio Spurs are the team that you're facing in the first round. And, you know, they played Oklahoma City tough as well during the season. In December, they lost a six-point game to Oklahoma City, 114-108. And they lost again to Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City, 116-101 in January. And they actually beat Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City, which is impressive. Well, actually in Los Angeles, I should say. And, and they beat Oklahoma City 
Back in January, that was a nationally televised game. They won that game as well. So, you know, they've had some success. Again, they've won a game against Oklahoma City, but, again, I just don't think they can stick with OKC in a seven-game series. I don't think it could happen. San Antonio, it could happen. And how about the East, the Eastern Conference? You know, we, we – over the you know over the the past few weeks, Miami on that big twenty seven game win streak, Miami seemingly the team to beat, not only in the Eastern Conference but in just in basketball period. But you look at Miami now, best record in the league, and this is a team that obviously now they're resting their stars. Dwayne Wade being rested, LeBron was rested for a few games, Bosh as well, you know. So they're 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 kind of just going to the end here, relaxing, and then just sailing to the end. But you look at Miami, and you look at the Eastern Conference, and you wonder to yourself, who can beat the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference? Who can beat the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference? Who? Is there a team in the Eastern Conference that can beat the Miami Heat? Got to look at the Knicks, of course who've had some, a lot of success against the Heat. I think he beat the Heat three times this season, including uh, last week. And, you know, that game was without LeBron and so and Wade. So, really, how much do you give credit to that victory? I mean, a win is a win, but, I mean, it's without your big guns. But they've really had some success against the Heat this year, 3-1 and one against the Heat this year. And so the Knicks are a team, and – the concern about the Knicks is, you know, they are getting banged up. They're bigs getting banged up. Kurt Thomas is done, you know, so that's a big blow. Rashid, obviously, he's not coming back. And you got Marcus Camby in and out of the lineup. And Kendrick Martin, who was hurt the other night as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kendrick Martin, who was hurt the other night. So... The, the key with the Knicks is they're bigs. They're bigs. That's the key. Kenya Martin had the left ankle sprain. Tyson Chandler battling as well. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But if you're the Knicks, you hope that Chandler is healthy. You hope that Kenya Martin is healthy as well. <clears throat> you even hope that uh, Marcus Camby can be healthy too. It's a tall order for Marcus Camby to ever be healthy. But, I mean, you hope these guys are healthy. And if that happens, if Camby and, and, and Kenya Martin and Tyson Chandler, if they're healthy, they can give the Heat problems with the size that the Knicks have. <clears throat> Mellow's flowing right now, flowing like a river. Flowing very well for the New York Knicks, and their streak ended last night against the Streak Stop versus the Chicago Bulls. I mean, they are the Streak Stoppers. They stopped the Heat's 27-game win streak, and they stopped the Knicks' 13-game win streak. Chicago's a tough team. You got to love the fire, the heart that Chicago Bulls play with. Without Noah, obviously without Derrick Rose, and they still win that game. And New York was hot. New York was a hot basketball team, 13 in a row, so you know they're hot. 
But I look at the Eastern Conference again, going back to the playoffs. I say the Knicks have a shot against the Heat to give them a tough series, the Pacers as well, and the Boston Celtics. But just looking at the current playoff matchups and probably how it's going to be, you're going to probably you're going to have Miami against Milwaukee, New York against Boston, and that's that's a, I mean, I think the Knicks will win that series. I think, but I think that's a tough draw playing the, the Boston Celtics, a team with so much heart, so much pride. They're going to be a tough out. They are going to be a tough out, and I think the Knicks get it done. But one thing we have to remember about the Knicks is they haven't won a playoff game in a long time, and and made out the first round in a long time. Then again, they haven't won 50 games in a long time either. But the Knicks, you know, they look good. They look good. They really do. Indiana's kind of limping to the finish here. Danny Granger won't be back. He's done for the year. That's a big blow for this team. But I think they can give the Heat some problems. And I also think the Boston Celtics are a team that can give the Heat some problems. But here's the reality of the situation. It's either going to be one of those teams playing the Heat. The Heat, as, as the Eastern Conference is presently constructed, is either going to play Chicago or Brooklyn in that second round. And either, you know, first round is going to be Milwaukee, it's either going to be Chicago or Brooklyn in that second round. And in the conference finals, you'll have Boston, New York, or possibly Indiana in the conference finals. But I look at the Chicago Bulls, I think, you know, if Derrick Rose can come back and then Noah's healthy, I mean, that would be a that would be a tough out. That would be a tough series for the Heat, physical series for the Heat. Obviously, I think a series that the Heat would win, but a series that could give the Heat a little scare. I'll ask Chicago is one of those teams that could give the Heat a scare if Derrick Rose is healthy. And even, you know, you wonder how healthy Derrick Rose truly will be and how much he will have. But the reality is if he's healthy, I think you have to throw the Bulls now in that mix of one of those teams that can beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series. Not beat, because I don't think any of these teams can beat the Heat. There are some people out here who believe the Knicks could beat the Heat in a seven-game series, but I'm not buying it. I'm just not. I think the Miami Heat are just too much. But I think it would be a competitive series, and I'm kind of rooting for that. I, I, I hope that we'll see the Knicks and the Heat in the conference finals. I would like to see that series. I also would like to see the Heat and the Chicago Bulls in the second round, but I also would like to see the Chicago Bulls with Derrick Rose in that second round. That, to me, would be a, some good basketball. And I think, you know, the Celtics-Knicks are a good first-round battle, good first-round matchup. Brooklyn-Chicago is a decent first-round matchup as well. It stays like that. Indiana and Atlanta, not too exciting. I think Atlanta wins. Miami-Milwaukee, you know, that that's not a very compelling series. That probably will be a sweep or even a five-gamer at best. But that would be, you know, that. but I, the two series I would look at in the East, if the way that the, the seedings are presently constructed is New York and Boston and Brooklyn and Chicago. That, that would be uh, the two series that would be compelling to me. In the West, if it stays like the way it is now, Oklahoma City and the Lakers, obviously you have the Lakers, OKC, but the Lakers, that's compelling. Any team that plays the Lakers is compelling, but I hope it's San Antonio and L.A. when it's all said and done. But then you have, at this point, San Antonio and Houston, Battle of Texas, not too compelling. 
I think San Antonio wins that series kind of easily, but I would love it to be flip-flopped Oklahoma City in that second spot, San Antonio in the first spot, so you could have an OKC-Houston battle in that first round. You have James Harden and that whole storyline. That would be good. Memphis and the Clippers, it's going to be a good series. That's going to be a good series. It was a good series last year. It's going to be a good series this year. And then you have Golden State and Denver. You know, not ultra compelling. Exciting, probably. It's going to be exciting. going to be an up-and-down type of basketball. But I think this series you would have to favor Denver Nuggets. And then Denver, a big blow losing Gallinari. A big blow losing their number one scorer, Gallinari. And also, Denver, you want Ty Lawson to be back and be back healthy. You want him to be healthy, and he is expected to return tonight. So, and that's against the Dallas Mavericks. So, you want him to be healthy. If you have him healthy, you know, that's obviously a good look for your team. But your number one scorer, well, your second leading scorer, Gallinari, is done for the year, and that's a big, big blow for the Denver Nuggets. But Corey Brewer has been stepping in and playing some decent basketball for the Denver Nuggets. He's been playing some decent basketball throughout the course of this season, actually. I mean, 12.3 points per game for Corey Brewer. I mean, he's putting up some decent numbers for the Denver Broncos. Not Denver Broncos, Denver Nuggets. And he had a good game the other night. Good game the other night against San Antonio Spurs. So, the Nuggets are an interesting team. I think, obviously, it would be a more interesting team in these playoffs if they had Gallinari. But they're a team that's going to be a tough out. And I think this is a team that's going to get to the second round, at least. They're going to get to the second round. They're getting to that second round, I believe. Because I think the Golden State's going to be a good matchup for them. Good matchup for them. So I, I believe that Denver's going to get to the second round. But next week's show, we'll, we'll delve deeper into these NBA playoffs as it's around the corner. Next Saturday, the party begins in the NBA playoffs. Next Saturday. So it's going to be very, very exciting. Western Conference is going to be interesting because the, the, the Miami Heat in the East, you know, obviously they're the clear-cut favorite. But at the same time, the Knicks are a compelling story there. Watch out for the Knicks in the Eastern Conference. But you you have an idea that Miami is the clear-cut favorite. In the West, not so clear-cut. I mean, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, both legitimate contenders. Denver, you've got to talk about them. L.A., the Clippers. And you used to talk about L.A., you usually say the Lakers. But L.A., the Clippers, and then the Grizzlies. Uh, so you look at the top five teams in the Western Conference, all 50-plus win teams, all teams that have a legitimate shot to make it to the uh, NBA Finals. And I think the Grizzlies, you look at the Grizzlies, they're a team, if they got that far and got to the Finals and played the Miami Heat with their size and their strength down low, they would give the Heat some problems. They truly would give the Heat problems. Denver plays the same style as the Miami Heat. I think the Heat... Would would win that series easily. San Antonio and Oklahoma City would be all obviously would be tough outs against the Miami Heat. But the Memphis Grizzlies to me would be the most compelling, not the most compelling, but a team that would be very interesting to see what would happen if they were to face the Heat in the NBA Finals. That to me would be very very interesting to see. I would would love to see, well, I would like to see it, but I also would really truly like to see a rematch of what we saw last year in the NBA Finals with OKC in Miami. That's what I would like to see. 
personally. But Memphis and the Miami Heat would be a very compelling series because of the size that Memphis has, and, and I think that would cause the Heat a lot of problems. That would present a lot of problems to the Miami Heat, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but there is a lot of great NBA basketball to be played, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, a lot of fun. And I can't wait to the NBA playoffs start. It is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Truly, truly, truly the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is great. But in the NFL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, I should say. NBA, NFL playoffs are good, too. But the NBA playoffs are the most wonderful time of the year. And switching gears now, going to college basketball, how about what we saw on Monday night? How about what we saw on Monday night? A great end to a great tournament. Michigan, Louisville going back and forth. And you knew kind of going into that Final Four last week in Atlanta that everybody had Louisville as the favorite. Louisville was the favorite, clear-cut favorite in a lot of ways. They were the favorite. And the reality is, going into it, it was this pretty much was Louisville's Final Four to lose. They just had all the makings of a team that was prepared to win it all. They had the makings of a team that was going to win it all. And now you can argue, yes, Louisville was the team to beat and you expected them to win. But you didn't really truly expect them to win the way they actually won. I mean, you know, coming back from Wichita State, being down double digits in the second half against Wichita State, and then climbing on back and finding a way to get it done down the stretch. Michigan being down early, Spike Olbrick coming out and, and hitting threes left and right for the Michigan Wolverines. And then Michigan in control in that first half, and Louisville closed strong at the end of that first half, and that was big. That was big. And I remember, you know, the great Doug Collins, when he used to call games for TNT, talking about the end of quarters and the end of halves and how big they truly are. They are big. And the way that the Louisville Cardinals ended that first half against Michigan was big because it put them right back into that game and going into the break, they were only down one after being down double digits for, for a part of that first half. They withstood the storm. They withstood the storm, and they withstood a lot of storms throughout the course of these uh, throughout the course of this tournament, especially in this Final Four. They withstood the storm, and they were able to withstand that storm and ultimately win that game. But it was a back and forth game in that second half. A lot of great, exciting plays happening in that game. A lot of great moments. I mean, it was it was good basketball. A lot of people were complaining about the officiating in that particular game, and you could have you might have a gripe, a couple plays, you know, that that block by uh, Trey Burke on Peyton Silva. That was a block, but they called it a foul. That truly, truly was a block. And Monday was a great day, great week. You know, it was the end of a great week for for Rick Pitino, elected into the Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, and then ultimately winning a national title on Monday. So it was, a, it was a good week and a good day for Rick Pitino, the great Rick Pitino. But the, the, you look at Michigan, great run by Michigan. And, you know, you, you fall, I fell in love with that Michigan team 
in this tournament and during this Final Four. I, you just love the Hardaway Juniors and the, the Glenn Robinson the thirds And hearing all those names, it just brings back memories and, you know, puts a smile on your face. They're, it's familiar names. It's their kids, and it's very familiar. And Trey Burke, you know, the AP Player of the Year. And, you know, what he did and how big time he was throughout the course of these this tournament. I mean, if you look at, you know, you were thinking as you watched that game, Spike Olprick, I mean, you got the two fouls on Trey Burke, and, you know, Spike Olprick comes off the bench, and this guy has 17 points, including four for four from downtown. And this is a dude coming into this game only averaged 1.8 points per game. So coming into that game, he's only averaged 1.8 points per game. That's it. And he comes into that game, 17 points there in that first half, and you're saying to yourself, wow, <laughs> this dude, this unsung hero, is, it might be the reason why Michigan can pull off the upset here against Louisville. I mean, and in these big games, these are the type of plays that you need from the unsung heroes. Unsung heroes such as a Spike Oprick, who, you know, again, coming into that game, only averaged 1.8 points per game. Not a lot, obviously. Barely two points, barely a bucket a game. Barely a bucket a game, and he was four for four from downtown. He was big time. And a lot of people question uh, B-line for keeping Trey Burke out for so long. And, you know, maybe it's legitimate, maybe it's not. But, I, you know, two fouls, and, and at the same time, Spike Ulbrich is going well. But the criticism was, you know, your best player, and he's not going to be in sync when you need him the most. Spike Ulbrich, obviously, is not going to be able to keep this up, and he did scoreless in the second half. He didn't keep it up. But he was big time in that first half. I mean, he was absolutely big time. Four straight from beyond the arc. I mean, the 17 points at halftime. At halftime. But just like Louisville did against Wichita State, Louisville battled back and they just kept coming at you and coming at you and just coming at you. And it was just too much. Louisville was just too much for every team in this tournament. In this, and they were just too much. Too much for Wichita State when it was all said and done. Too much for Michigan when it was all said and done. And give Wichita State a lot of credit, battling the way they battled and getting as far as they got. And also give Michigan a lot of credit for battling and getting as far as they got. I mean, they easily could have lost against Kansas with Trey Burke, Rescued them in that particular game, and but they were able to get to this point. They were able to get to this point. But the greatness of Louisville, greatness of Patino, the greatness of, of, of that team was enough. It was enough. Kevin Ware and that story. I mean, Louisville were the darlings of the tournament, especially after the Kevin Ware uh, incident. After when that after that happened. Everybody and their mama was rooting for Louisville. Everybody and their mama was rooting for Louisville. And Louisville, even though they were not the Cinderella story, they were number one team in this tournament. You know, even though they were the, the, the they were Goliath, so to speak. Even though they were Goliath, a lot of people rooted for them because of the situation 
with Kevin Ware. And the thing about it is Louisville in that particular game just killed, killed Michigan on the boards. And that was key, too. Killed them on the boards. Bohannon was just big time on the boards. Big time on the boards against Michigan. They killed them on the boards. Killed Michigan on the boards. And really just was dominating and dominating Michigan on the glass. And that was big. Getting the, You know, that was big. That was big time. The way they were out, able to out-rebound Michigan, especially on the glass. I mean, you look at Bohannon, I mean, 12 boards, and seven of those boards were on the offensive glass. You know, Jank, the young center, African center, five offensive rebounds. That's big, man. It's a lot of offensive rebounds you're giving up. You're giving a team like Louisville extra possessions. You're giving a team like Louisville extra possessions. You don't want to give a team like Louisville extra possessions. You don't. You don't want to give Louisville extra possessions, and that's what you do when you don't get the when you don't defend and take care of your defensive backboard. That's what you do. That's what you do. And you know Louisville got those extra chances down the stretch there. And ultimately, Louisville was just able to overwhelm Michigan down the stretch, overwhelm them, and and put the ball game away. Again, I mean, a lot of people were saying one of the better championship games in a long time. It was. It was compelling basketball. You know, I wanted, to be honest with you, I was watching the game, enjoyed the game. But I wanted to go to bed because I knew I had to get up early the next morning. I wanted to go to bed, but I couldn't. I couldn't go to bed. I couldn't go to bed as much as I wanted to, as much as I tried to get away from it. I couldn't do it. It kept pulling me back, pulling me back. Kept pulling me back, and it pulled me back ultimately to the end. Watched it to the end. I didn't watch the one shining moment. I didn't watch that, and you know I usually watch that, but I didn't watch it this time around. And I normally do. Normally do. Obviously, it's one of the more exciting parts of the tournament. To be honest with you, one of the more uh, people look forward to it. People look forward to hearing that one shining moment, seeing the images, hearing the song. Beautiful song, by the way. But I didn't stay up for that. I couldn't stay up for that. I was just too tired. But, I, I you know, it was, it was one of the better championship games in a long time. And Louisville, no matter what, no matter who, who, you know, no matter what they went through, obviously losing Kevin Ware, that was big. You know, being down double digits to Wichita State, that was big. And coming on back and finishing the game. And now the championship game, championship game against Michigan, withstanding a, a player who averaged less than a bucket a game, barely a bucket a game, and Spike Olprick, and who scored 17 points, four for four from downtown, withstood the unsung hero in Spike Olprick, and ultimately were able to overwhelm and, and put Michigan away there in that second half. That was what we saw from the Louisville Cardinals, a tough team. A tough-minded team. And, you know, coming out of the break, you had their, their leading scorer, Russ Smith, on the bench. On the bench. Didn't start the second half. And, you know, Steve Kerr was talking, wow, he's never seen anything like that. It was interesting to see because that's your number one guy. It's your, your leading scorer. That was your leading scorer. 
and Russ Smith, and you sit him to start the second half. You sit your leading scorer to start the second half. That's interesting. That that doesn't happen very often, especially in a championship game. Especially in a championship game. A championship game. This is not just any game. This is not a Big East battle. This is a championship game. The national championship game. And you sit out Russ Smith to start the second half. You sit him out. That was interesting. That was very interesting. And if Louisville would have lost the game, you wonder if Patino would have got killed for that. You wonder what that, the uproar and would have been a big outcry about that if Michigan would have won that game. Don't know. Don't know. But I do know this. Louisville was a very tough-minded basketball team. A very tough-minded basketball team and a team that just refused to lose. They just refused to lose in this tournament. They really did. You know, what they did against Duke, how they just took over that second half and just, vroom, game over. Even against Syracuse in the Big East Championship game, vroom, down early against Syracuse, vroom, game over. You know, Wichita State, down double digits in that second half, vroom, Louisville's right back in the game. Vroom, Louisville finishes the game and wins the game. It's just quick. It happens so quick with the Louisville Cardinals. It just happens so quick. You look up at the scoreboard and just like, darn. Man, weren't weren't they just down by like 10 points a few minutes ago? Weren't they just down by 10 points and two, three, threes later, they're right back in it. They're right back in it. Hancock, Luke Hancock was big for Louisville. Big for Louisville. Hitting those threes. Absolutely big. You know, Peyton Silva, Siva, I should say, he was big in that championship game. Stepped up, led Louisville in points in that game with 18. Got lucky there on that dunk attempt, which was blocked by Trey Burke, which was not a foul, by the way. It was called a foul, but that was not a foul. That was not a foul. Sorry. And I look at, you know, college basketball and the officiating, not great to me. I mean, to me, I watch the games, it's, there's no continuity. I think they call way too many fouls. and It, it just turned into a sloppy game. I, I just don't like the way they call the game in the, on the college level. I, I think the officials are too involved. I, I think they're way too involved. I, make, I think they make way too many calls down the stretch of a game. Just another complaint about college basketball also is the ending of the games. I mean, those endings can be torturous, the fouls, and, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on, and the timeouts, more so the timeouts than anything. Fouls happen, all the timeouts and everything, down the stretch of a college basketball game. More so than the NBA game, I think. Just another complaint about the college game. I I love, I love like college basketball, but I don't think it's better than the NBA. Give me the NBA game any day, twice on Tuesday. Give me the NBA game any day. I mean, I just, you know, the, the NBA game, you got the best players who are the best doing the, you know, playing the game. The best, the top of the top. The top of the top, the best of the best playing. 
college basketball, I mean, a lot, half of those, more than half of those guys are not even going to play in the NBA. Most of those guys are, are not going to play in the NBA. So give me the NBA game anytime, any day. That's what I like. That's just me. And the NBA playoffs, by the way, will be starting. I said this before, I'll say it again. NBA playoffs are starting next week. I'm excited. Mark me down as someone who is excited to watch the NBA playoffs. Put my name down. I'm one of those guys who's excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to see the best of the best do it. Play basketball and get it done. Look forward to it, man. I really am looking forward to it. And, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year for me. Not to reiterate the point, but it is the most wonderful time of the year. Football is great, obviously. The NCAA tournament is good, too, obviously. But to me, to me, to me, the NBA playoffs are a great time of the year. Plus, it's springtime. You know, the birds are chirping a little more. The flowers are blooming. It's a good time. Very good time. But we'll see how the NBA playoffs settle, and we'll see how it works out. And give a lot of credit, again, to the Louisville Cardinals, who played some big-time basketball in this tournament and in during the Final Four, and ultimately were able to get to the top and win the national title. Rick Pitino, what a week for him. Kevin Ware and all the things that he went through. Beautiful to see him be able to smile and celebrate after all that he's been through with his injury and all that he's going to go through in terms of rehabbing that injury. Maybe he plays again, maybe he doesn't. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. But that is, you know, it's a special, special, special story, obviously, because, you know, it's a gruesome injury. And, you know, we've all seen it numerous times. A gruesome injury. The type of injury that you never want to see in your life. The type of injury that you don't see on a basketball court. A type of injury you would see on a football field. That's a football field type of injury. Not a basketball court. You don't expect it on a basketball court. You just don't. But again, gruesome, gruesome, nasty injury. And we had Marlon Guild on last week, uh, assistant coach for St. Peter's College, and he talked about the Sid Vicious the wrestler Sid Vicious and his injury. And it was, I, I, I didn't see it. I remember it, but I don't remember it completely. And I watched it last week after Marlon said that, and I was looking at it, and I was like, wow. It was just just the leg just broken half, and it was just dangling. 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 Absolutely dangling. And... So, you know, that that was the way that Kevin Ware injury was. Just as gruesome. Equally as gruesome, if not more so. Switching gears now. Honey the honey badger honey badger is in the news. Tyran Matthew. There is a report from the USA today that this guy failed numerous, numerous tests, drug tests. The honey badger, as we all know, likes to get his smoke going. And, and had some issues with getting his smoke on. And because he was getting his smoke on on a consistent basis, the honey badger 
ultimately was let go and kicked off the team, kicked off the LSU team. I mean, the Honey Badger loves to have a good time. Badger loves his weed. The Badger loves getting his smoke on. And according to an NFL coach, and according to the USA Today, an NFL coach has said that Matthew said he failed so many tests, told the NFL assistant coach that Matthew said he failed so many tests, doesn't even remember. Doesn't even remember how many tests he has failed. Does not remember the amount of tests he has failed. Too numerous for him to remember. Wow, you must be smoking a lot of weed. You must be smoking a lot of marijuana, Mr. Matthew. Honey Badger. You must love that good stuff, I guess. I mean... (laughs) And he also said, you know, I quit counting at 10. Quit counting at 10. Quit counting at 10. Wow. Wow. You smoked a lot of weed. And, you know, either you quit counting or you forgot. (laughs) Because all the weed that you're smoking, Badger, all the weed that you're smoking, you probably forgot. <laughs> well, you say you don't remember, so you did forget. <clears throat> well, you say you quit counting at 10. That's basically saying that you forgot. That's, that's saying you forgot. You don't know how much weed you smoked in your life. Well, during your time in LSU, you probably smoked a whole bunch of weed. And you hope that, the reality is you hope that all that's behind him. You hope. Talented kid. Playmaker at LSU. You hope that it really stops for the Badger. You hope that he can move on from smoking the quote-unquote good stuff, the marijuana, the weed, and all that stuff. You hope that he can get rid of all that stuff, get that stuff out of his life. It was messing his life up, obviously. Cost him, uh, you know, season at LSU. May have cost him some money along the way in terms of his draft status. So you hope that the Badger has, you know what, taken care of himself and decided that, you know what, later for smoking all this weed and marijuana, later for all that, it's time to grow up a little bit. And you hope that he truly is grown up. You hope that he has learned his lesson from what he's going through. You hope. You hope. But you never know. You never know, because the reality is now, if he gets into the NFL, he's going to have an NFL paycheck. And the NFL paycheck can buy you a lot of marijuana. So you wonder now, once he gets an NFL paycheck, will he be more? Well, obviously, I think, you know, obviously money, you get money in in your pocket. You know, have some money in your pockets. You know, money doesn't make you a better person. Money usually doesn't, usually makes you a worse person in a lot of ways. Money usually makes you a worse person in a lot of ways. So, by him now, having the issues with the marijuana, now, if he makes it on an NFL roster and has an NFL paycheck, he'll be or have an opportunity to be able to smoke more weed, a lot of weed, 
Now, it wouldn't be ideal if he wants to stay on an NFL roster. Of course not. Obviously, it wouldn't be ideal. Would not be ideal. Would not. Would not be ideal. Would not. It really wouldn't. But, you know, quit counting at 10. Quit counting at 10. So, imagine how many drug tests he may have failed. Imagine how much weed he may have smoked. Imagine. And you wonder now. And, you know, you can argue that maybe LSU could have done a better job throughout this whole process in terms of helping this kid. But I guess the reality is for them is let's get him on the field. Let's put him on the field. Let's get him on the field any means necessary. Let's get him on the field. Let's do what we got to do to get this man on the field. And, you know, so who cares how many drug tests he's failed? Who cares how much weed he's smoked? This guy needs to be on the field so we can continue to win and we continue to make a lot of money for the University of LSU, LSU, for LSU. That's what we need him to do. Let's get this man and keep this man on the field so, again, we can be a successful team and so we can sell more seats, sell more jerseys, sell more everything, continue to sell our program for now and moving forward. It is what it is, I guess. You know, these kids, and you know, we talk about it all the time in terms of whether or not these kids should be paid. Maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't, but, I, I mean, something could be done for them. But, again, at the same time, how do you do it? Now, how, how do you come up with a, a system or put a system in place that would be fair and that would, you know, be a good system? How do you do it? I don't know. I guess there's a lot smarter people out there than me that can come up with some kind of system that would be effective and that would be helpful to college basketball in terms of fixing this situation. Doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem fair that these guys make all this money for the university. Don't get a dime of it. Now, you could argue that they get an education, yes, but if the education value is it as the value that they get for the education is it as much money that the school gets for for you know college football and the like and all the other sports for that matter, but mostly the big revenue generating sports like college football and basketball, and not every college football and basketball team around the country is making big time and buku money. That's also very complicated. That also complicates the situation. Title IX complicates the situation. So a lot of things complicate the situation. A lot of things complement, uh, complicate, I should say, the situation. It's not cut and dry. It's just not cut and dry. And as much as I think something should be done, I have no clue how this would be put out there, how it would be how it would be done. I have no clue whatsoever. None whatsoever. 
I don't know how they could do it. I just don't know. But I do know this. Something needs to be done in terms of compensating these players for the amount of money they generate to the to the universities around the country. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Hour expect to be joined by former Eastern Michigan University linebacker Justin Cudworth as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. We were expected to be joined by Josh Jones, former Creighton star, who had to give up the sport of basketball because of his heart condition in that first hour. We'll see if we can get him on here in the second hour. Also, we're going to be joined by the sheriff, Brian Sheriff. He's going to give us the lowdown, tell us what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. So we'll see. Uh, we can get Josh Jones here in the second hour, but we're going to be joined by Justin Cudworth in the second hour, and also Brian Sheriff. Give us the lowdown on the world of sports in this second hour. The Masters is going on, everybody. The Masters, a tradition like no other. The Masters is on Augusta National, going on this weekend. And here's some good news. For those, well, good news for CBS. Well, before I looked at this leaderboard, Tiger was minus five. Now he's minus three. Three shots off the leader, Justin Day. Three shots off the leader, Justin Day. And the Masters, if you're, uh, well, let's look at it from a TV perspective. If you're CBS, Obviously, it's always good if Tiger Woods is, is in contention. That, that's always a good thing if Woods is in contention. I mean, he's three shots back, so he's still in the mix. Sergio Garcia, who got off to a good start now, four shots back of the leader, Justin Day, Jason Day, I should say. You know, Jim Furyk now, two shots back of Jason Day. So, I mean, uh, you know, it's a fluid situation. A fluid situation right now with the Masters. A tradition like no other. And, and that's, you know, another part of the springtime coming on in. You know, golf takes center stage. Tiger takes center stage. And, you know, obviously if Tiger's good, doing well, golf is doing well. That's always a good thing. If Tiger's going well, then golf is going well. Hopefully Tiger, for the sport of golf, can continue to go. Hopefully Tiger continues to play good golf as he's been playing throughout this year. Been playing well. And then you got the young kid who made the cut, 14-year-old, China's Guan, Thai, Thai, Thailand Guan, 14-year-old, I hope I pronounced his name right. But anyway, he's made the cut. A 14-year-old eighth grader, a 14-year-old eighth grader, the youngest ever to make the cut, the youngest ever to make the cut. 
well, the youngest ever to compete in the Masters, and ultimately he made the cut. He made the cut. That's impressive. That's impressive. He made the cut. He made the cut. So he'll be in through the weekend. He made the cut. Wow. 14 years old. What were you doing when you were 14 years old? Were you on the golf course trying to conquer the great Augusta National? I don't think you were. I don't think many were. I mean, that's an impressive situation. An impressive situation for Guan, who was able to make the cut, not only to compete in this tournament, but to make the cut. To make the cut. He was also penalized today for slow play. Penalized today for slow play. I guess he needs to pick it up. Pick up your play. Come on. Speed it up, son. I think he needs to do that moving forward. I guess as he gets a little older, he will learn to do that. But again, I mean, you know, this is some amazing stuff here. This is 14-year-old guy. He's an eighth grader. He's an eighth grader. What were you doing you were in eighth grade? I mean, you weren't on Augusta. You weren't on this course. You were not on this challenging course. But it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing that a kid, 14 years old, is able to not only play at the Masters, but to make the cut at the Masters. That's amazing. And golf is a challenging and tough game. I mean, I'm not the biggest golf fan in terms of playing it, and I've tried Playing the golf, playing the sport of golf, a lot of people say it's very relaxing. Almost too relaxing for my taste. It's like yoga to me. I mean, I tried yoga before, and it was just not for me. I just didn't, you know, I like to move. I want to be moving. I want to be, you know, moving around, getting a sweat, doing some aerobics. I mean, I'd rather do aerobics than yoga. But it was just not exciting to me. Playing golf. A lot of people say it's relaxing, not exciting to me, just not. But you know, it is what it is. They say as you get older, you start, you gotta, you gotta, you know, go to golf. You, you gotta transition from playing basketball and things of that nature. I mean, I played a lot of basketball in my day. I had a lot of fun on the basketball court. But I realized as I as I play basketball from time to time that the knees are a little sore, so I couldn't. You know, when you're in college and everything, you play basketball every day. Every day you go out there in the hot sun, get out there and play some basketball. Every day. Every day you're out there. And during my time, I was out there every day trying to play basketball. Trying to play basketball. But I can't do it anymore. The knees will not cooperate. They will not cooperate. I can't be out there playing every day as much as I would love to. Plus, you can't afford, as you get older, you can't afford to get hurt. That's important, too. You can't afford to get hurt. can't afford to be laid up. And so, you know, when you're young and dumb, you can do a lot of things. Con- you know, con- conquer a lot of things and do a lot of things. But as you get older, you have to get wiser. You have to take a break from certain things. And one of those things is pounding your knees on the basketball court. Sad, but true. And because of that, a lot of people transition to the sport of golf. A lot of people transition to the sport of golf. 
I have not made that transition and probably will not make that transition to the sport of golf. And maybe as I get older, maybe a little wiser, who knows what could happen. I want to switch gears now. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is in the news. Jeff Garcia, former NFL quarterback, has come out. And Garcia has been, uh, Tebow has been working with Jeff Garcia a little bit now. And Jeff Garcia has come out and says, you know what? It's time for the Jets to release Tim Tebow. Get rid of Tim Tebow. And here's what he had to say. If there's going to be a competition at the quarterback position, it's got going to come from Tim Tebow. Having Tebow there last season just because, just became a distraction, excuse me, more of a circus show. It's their decision. But from an outsider looking in, having Tebow there doesn't bring any positive. It just brings distraction. And that is the reality of the situation. It does bring distraction. It has brought distraction. It has brought a lot of distraction to the New York Jets. We'll get back to that in a moment. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. NFL draft right around the corner. Less than a week, what, less than two weeks away at this point. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Time flies. And this guy is preparing for the NFL draft. Let's bring him in now, former Eastern Michigan linebacker, Justin Cudworth. Justin, how are you, man? I'm excellent. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Justin, the draft is less than two weeks away. How are you feeling about some of these things that's going on as the moment draws near? Oh, it's exciting. You know, uh, for the most part, the work on my end has been done. You know, I had an excellent pro day. Um, you know, I had a good turnout at Pro Day. I performed well. Just been working out, you know, in the in the best shape of my life, mentally, physically, and I'm just ready to ready to go make a 53 man roster. It's that's your Pro Day. How did it go for you? You said it went well, but give it a grade, A to F. How how did it go for you? Oh, I'd, I'd say I got an A, definitely. And uh, you know, we had about you know coming from a smaller school, one of the concerns was you know the the uh, the turnout that we may uh, may or may not have, but we had 25 teams from the NFL there, which was great. I think uh, from what I heard, you know, that's the best Eastern's ever had. Um, you know, the general consensus I got from everybody was, you know, I was a, a little little bigger than they thought I'd be and ran faster and looked a lot better than, you know, they expected. So all, all good things. Now you're a two-time max, all-max selection uh, during your two seasons at Eastern Michigan. What would people say are the strengths of your game? The strengths of my game, I'd say, uh, you know, just my hustle. I can, you know, make plays across the field. Um, <laughs> yeah, really just, just my hustle. And uh, as far as the classroom goes, that's one thing that's really helped me also, just getting, you know, learning the game and really uh, 
you know, coming into my own in that sense, just anticipating what offenses can do to you and, you know, uh, getting the command of the defense in that sense. So I'd, I'd say those now are my strengths. Now you said your, all your work that you've done is done. It's done at this point. What were some of the things that you worked on during your preparation for the draft? Oh, well, you know, training, we really – everybody makes a big deal about the, the 40 and all that stuff, so, you know, we really got after it. You know, practicing, you know, your first 10 yards for weeks on end and, you know, getting out there every morning and working on your technique, you know, everything from, you know, how you warm up to how you get in your stance and just making making sure everything's the same every time. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have a great trainer. I work out at a Proactive Sports Performance here in Westlake, California. So that was, you know, a really good opportunity for me. And just working out, you know, doing all sorts of stuff, getting ready. We're talking to Justin Cudworth, former Eastern Michigan linebacker, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Justin, as you prepare for this draft, take us through a, a day in the life of Justin Cudworth. A day in the life of me, man. Well, you know, I get up around, you know, 6.30 or 7. Uh, depending on what day of the week, we, we switch it up a lot, where we're working out or what we're doing. Um, you know, I'll take yesterday, for example, out on the field nice and early, about 8, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, work out there, you know, get something to eat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Head over to the gym, then we got to, you know, we'll lift afterwards. Some days we'll do, uh, like, yoga and stuff like that after we lift. And um, about noon, 1 o'clock, I'll eat again. There's a, there's a lot of eating in my day. I see that. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I'll usually head home. I actually move back in with my parents a few months back. Okay. It's nice. I'm liking that. Um, you like that? Oh, yeah, man. Get some okay. get some laundry done here and there. Fridge is always okay. full. Can't complain. I guess you can't, right? Rent is always yeah. paid. Yep, yep. I guess you really can't complain about that. Nah, I mean, you know, just relax, go for a walk with my dog, and just hang out. Maybe go to the beach. I'm actually pretty close to the beach where I'm at now. So. All right, all right. So you're you're living a life. Yeah. You're living a yeah. life. So you know, working working hard and getting after it, but you know, still still relaxing and finding that time to enjoy myself. Now, Justin, on this show, we like to play a game called Getting to Know You. I want to ask a few questions of you so the fans can get to know you a little better. You ready to play? Yep. Who was your favorite team growing up? Favorite NFL team? Oh, I didn't have one, man. Never had a okay. never had a team. I just like watching, you know, a good game. You're a California kid, so that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was there's no LA team, so I kind of guess. Well, you got San Francisco and Oakland. I mean, you know, San Francisco and the, the Raiders, but I mean, in LA, there's no team. Yep. Uh, if you could choose anyone, who would you pick as your mentor? Oh, my mentor. I'd have to say both my parents. Uh, okay. Yeah, they've been huge for me ever since I was younger, just, you know, teaching me right from wrong. Uh, and really just as I've grown up, you know, they've they've taught me a lot of things and, you know, let let me make mistakes on my own and really just helped me become the man I am today and, you know, they're really supportive of what I'm doing, and I can't thank them enough. They've definitely been my mentors growing up. If you could meet anyone, living or dead, who would you meet? Oh, that's a good one. I've, I've been asked this before, and I think I change my mind every time. I, I don't think I've ever answered this question the same. <laughs> I'd say, oh, hmm. 
Maybe like Frank Sinatra. He's a Frank Sinatra. You know, okay. Yeah. Guy's blue got eyes. Old blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were reincarnated as an animal, that'd be fun. Yeah, from yeah, Frank Sinatra. That would be a lot of fun. He'd sing to you. <laughs> <laughs> Next question: If you were reincarnated as an animal, drink ice cream flavor. What would it be? Oh, oh, either one of those things. Like, what would I be? One of those things. Oh, I'd definitely be some sort of animal. I don't know what. A cat? A cat? No, I don't know about that. (laughs) I tried. So, some kind of animal. Some kind of animal. Probably, mm, probably a lion. A lion. Okay. Yeah, man. Last one. Who was your favorite player growing up? Oh, I, when I was really little, I, I always remember watching Marshall Falk. And okay. Yeah, just really, you know, I always admired how he moved, and I thought it was, thought it was some impressive stuff. He does move very well. Did move very well, I should say. Probably doesn't move the same way, but he did move very oh, well. Oh man. Going his death. <laughs> yep. We're talking to Justin Cudworth, former Eastern Michigan linebacker, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. At this point, what have you heard? Is it a case where you may have to take the free agent route? Yeah, that's actually what it's looking like right now. Um, Definitely uh, helped my case out in the last few months as far as working out. And, you know, my agent on his end has been doing a great job of, you know, getting the word around and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's looking like I'll be a free agent. Ideally, you know, I could get signed before I head out somewhere for minicamp. But, you know, even if I have to go somewhere unsigned, I'm, I'm, you know, ready for the long haul, man, whatever it takes. Like I said, I just need to want to find myself in the right opportunity and make the roster. Final question. Why should any team take a chance on you? Oh, you ever heard of the iceberg theory? Just to no, iceberg, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, basically, I feel like what I've done so far is just the, the tip of the iceberg. You know, I have a lot more to offer that I haven't haven't shown yet. I'm really coming into my own as far as, you know, like I said, physically and really knowing the game. And I, I think I have a very high ceiling, you know, very high ceiling. Okay. I can definitely help out a team, you know, in my first year or two, you know, going to be on special teams and, you know, fighting to, for that roster spot. But like I said, I've a, I got a real high ceiling, and I'm going to come to work every day and, you know, just attack every day and uh, get better at every opportunity I get. Now, Justin, I was looking for you on Twitter. You're not on Twitter? I'm not, man. Not yet. No, oh, okay. What, you going to follow <laughs> me or something? I would love to follow you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you something if I ever get one. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Justin, man, a pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward, man, and let's do it again. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks a lot, Paul. I really appreciate it. Take care. All right, you too. Justin Cudworth, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft, right around the corner. Right around the corner. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio.
Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we are back. And in a moment now, we're going to bring in a guy who has a great, great story, a great story, very compelling story, very interesting story, Josh Jones. You remember the former Creighton guard, a guy who had to give up the sport of basketball. He has a heart condition, and because of that heart condition, he had to give up the sport of basketball, the sport that he loves. Let's bring him in now, former Creighton star, Josh Jones. Josh, hey, how are you, man? Going, I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and, Josh, let's let's look at your story now. I mean, you passed out doing warm-ups against Nebraska back in December. After that, you were later diagnosed with a heart condition known as atrial flutter. Before you right. passed out, though, I was reading, your heart was beating 200 beats per minute. At the time yeah. when all this stuff was going on, uh, did, were you confused? Were you trying to figure out, well, what's going on with me? Well, um, at the time, well, it, it, I'll take you way back. My story goes way back to 2007. Um, in 2007, um, in Omaha, Nebraska, I played at a high school called Central Omaha Central High School. And going into my senior year, young 17-year-old kid, um, hanging out like an average 17-year-old kid would do, um, in the summertime, in the middle of the summer, I began to get sick. And so I had flu-like symptoms, and eventually I was diagnosed with something called bacterial endocarditis, which was a bacterial germ that got into my bloodstream, and it deteriorated my left aortic valve, and I had to have emergency open-heart surgery. Wow. So as in high school, I was having I had open-heart surgery. I, it was a miracle. I was blessed to be able to come back and win a third consecutive state championship, um, lead my state in scoring, and actually get a college scholarship offered to Creighton University, and that's what takes us back to December 6th when right. I was getting ready to play at the Devaney Center. All of the state title games in high school is in that building. Um, the significance of that is because I'm a hometown kid. It's my last time playing my fifth year, senior year. They're about to tear down the Devaney, and I want to go out with a bang to show the people right. that they have a great last memory of Josh Jones. So prior to the game, I was in the locker room, um, dressing out, getting ready to go on the court and warm up. And as I'm walking out, I'm looking at the arena, and I feel amplified. And I think that I'm just intense and excited, overly excited to play this basketball game. So I walk out, and I jog it with the fans because it's an in-state rivalry. And I look around, and I begin to get lightheaded. And so as I, I'm about to start off guard warm-up, I take one way up. I shoot one jump shot, go back down to the layup line, and I wake up on the ground. Wow. That's what happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, you know, when you had that surgery back in high school, did you think all this stuff was behind you? I did, and that's the thing. Um, when I replaced my vow, I went five years with not a, with not a single injury at all. And I thought I was going to be able to bounce back, play a college career, get 
um, play some potential pro basketball, maybe retire and use my degree. But at the age of 23, my life was altered. I was shocked. And, I mean, yeah, I prepared for um, I'm supposed to have another valve replacement at some point in my life, but I didn't think that I was going to have heart problems at such a young age. And the scary thing about it is my retiring injury is totally different from what happened in high school. Okay, so this is a this is totally different, separate totally different. from what it's, the surgery that you had in high school. It's separate, and wow. the, um, the closest thing that could uh, make these um, injuries related are the scar tissue from my heart surgery. Potentially, the blood hit the scars, and my blood um, was circling, uh, not circulating to my ventricle, and so it okay. took me into a, that that rhythm of 200 plus beats a minute. But other than wow. that, nothing to do with multiple heart surgery, and that's why I so scared. Wow. That's amazing, amazing. So after you passed out, you ultimately would have another surgery. Take us through that time and your thought process during that whole time. Well, um, after I passed out and I woke up, um, I went, well, before I was at the hospital, I went to the locker room, and I felt perfectly normal. And I was ready to play the game, but they told me I couldn't play because my beats were going at an outrageous rate. But I felt normal. And when I got to the hospital, my doctors explained that it could have happened to me if I was sleeping, if I was driving a car, or just living an everyday life. It was not a basketball-related injury. So once I was um, diagnosed to get the the procedure, um, they explained to me that I had a potential chance of coming back to the craziest man's basketball team the second half of the season and playing okay. the fifth game in. So I went to uh, a procedure called uh, catheter ablation, and they went to my groin muscles and checked to see the certain spots where the sweater was happening at, and they burned the spots so blood wouldn't flow through there and start flooding. So okay. when I woke up from the surgery, my doctor explained to me that the surgery went com- uh it was a complex surgery because of complications. I had more flooded and I was under uh the knife, if you want to say, for so long that my body needed to rest and I needed a second seizure. So now I will have to retire from my college career because the second procedure, the recovery rate is a month minimum and it will be too long before I can come back to compete. But okay. during my procedure the first time, they said I went into cardiac arrest and was revived, and I had far more complications than just the flooding. So I was forced to retire because the game of basketball is not worth my life. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. And you, you talk about the game of basketball not being worth your life, and, and that definitely is true. But not playing basketball for you right now, I mean, it, it, that's got to be a tough thing for you. Well, at this point in my life, um, you'll be surprised with the response I have had. Um, the okay. biggest thing for me was hurting the people that loved me, the people who looked up to me. I mean, I was a sixth man off the bench for the Creighton basketball team. And for nine and a half years, the city of Omaha, the state of Nebraska, has had my back to my entire playing career. Um, it was hurtful because for 19 years of my life, I played the game of basketball. But once I have accepted and realized that it was God's calling, 
I realized that it wasn't about me anymore. And basketball was just an introduction to who I am as a person. And now I'm able to do God's work and inspire and motivate people. And I held a press conference about two and a half weeks after. I I knew I was going to have to retire after my first surgery, but I held it in for so long because I thought I was going to let down all of the fans. But right. come to realize, all of the people love me, not, be, not because of any jump shot that I've ever taken or any defensive stop or hustle play, but because of who I am as a person. And that's why I have been very easily accepting what I'm going through because it's God's work, the people are oppressed, and I'm here for them. Now, do you have an itch? Do you have that itch? Can you play pickup basketball? Not at all. I'm. I'm. Okay. I can't even do a um, a push up at this point in my life. Right now, I'm still on call in theory. I have a enlarged heart that's two times bigger than the athlete's heart. And okay. With 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 that being said, my doctors told me to have a eight to a year um, deconditioning period to see if my heart size goes down. If it doesn't okay. go down, then it could be a potential genetic um, enlargement because my father's has of an enlarged heart no six. Or right. it can be from the five and a half years of excessive exercise after my um, heart surgery because my valve, um, my valve replacement was done at 17 and now I'm 23. So it could be a potential chance that the valve is too small to catch up with the activity that I've done. Okay. So the reality is you're really not out of the woods at this point. Yes, I'm not. I can. I actually, on April 25th coming up, I will go through the same procedure that I went through uh, when I had to retire. And reasoning okay. is because I have serious cases of anxiety. Like, this is psychological thing for the rest of my life. It's not a day that goes, right. goes by where I don't think I can suddenly, suddenly drop or it can happen again, right? I right. get excited and I get scared at the same time because my heart beats fast. And I know it's, and just, it takes me back to December 6th and that process all over again. But everything is good right now as I'm talking to you, right? Yeah, I'm blessed right now. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, motivationally speaking to people and, um, you know, um, doing things after basketball. But I have an enlarged heart, but I'm on medicine to keep me the procedure, and the procedure will determine how soon or how far I would need an open heart surgery or just medicine. We're talking to former Creighton star Josh Jones, and Josh, your father went through a similar experience and ultimately died from an enlarged heart. And just going through that whole situation, and I know you're dealing with the anxiety and everything, but does that kind of add to it? Um, no, it doesn't anymore because. Every day since I have had to retire from the game of basketball because of my heart situation, something positive has happened to me, and the impact that it has on people keeps me distracted. I'm focused right now. I mean, since my retirement, I was discovered by a production company called Streamlight Productions, and they did a 45-minute documentary about my young entire life inside of the Josh Jones story. And... It premiered in local theaters in Omaha, Nebraska, and it sold out in five shows. And now it's converted to DVD and Blu-ray. And 
Um, okay. My website is under construction now, which is JoshJonesStory.com, which will give you awareness of how to get me to motivationally speak at your engagement, how to get involved in my basketball team, my biography, it also sells merchandise, and the skills DVD. And now, in talking to you, it's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no go ahead, I'm sorry. I just was going to say it just seems like to me in talking to you that through this whole situation, you found your true calling in life. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's why I'm at ease. That's why I'm at peace with what's going on. Because before, it's not like I wasn't humbled before because I was humbled when I had my first open heart surgery. But I was asking God why every day for about right. a month. But things kind of turned out because I was patient. And now I'm asking them, what? What can I do next for you? I mean, everything right. is coming into play for me. This is my true problem, inspiring and motivating people. Right, and and your story is inspiring, and you are motivating people. I, I was reading an article about you, and you said one of your greatest fears is dying suddenly and nobody being able to help you. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, I smile every day. I like to put smiles on other people's faces, and I have a lot of fun every day that I live life. But I'm around people, and when I get by myself, I get time to think. I sit in my thoughts. I think about December 6th. I think about just my whole heart um, deal, and it brings anxiety up, and it makes me curious or wonder what if. What if I collapse? No one would be able to see me or find me. So it is scary. Right. Even though I have a great faith and believe that I will actually go into the kingdom of heaven if I pass away, just I always feel like I have to be around someone to keep me comfortable because I don't I don't want to go through this by myself. Right, definitely. I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. We're talking to former Creighton guard Josh Jones and Josh. You were in the arena when Creighton advanced to the Sweet 16, and I was reading throughout that game, man, you were constantly checking and watching yourself from getting overexcited because of your heart. Talk about that. Well, um, when my team was playing uh, against Cincinnati, it was certain moments that I impacted the game. You know, I was that spark off the bench, the sixth man. So I'll think about how in ways I can help bad calls, and just the, the flow of a basketball game. And I have to – there's not one arena that I go into that I can't find the ENT. <laughs> and I go back and forth, checking my post and calming myself down. I drink a lot of water. I feel like I should be 250 pounds, all water. <laughs> but I try to, like, keep myself calm. It was, it was crazy. I and can imagine. a lot of people – a lot of people actually didn't know, but me going to the NCAA tournament is the whole and entire reason why I am having a procedure on the April 25th. Um, my procedure was actually scheduled on the day that we uh, played against Cincinnati in the second round of the tournament. So I had okay. to make a huge decision, either go down to Philadelphia, live with anxiety and being scared, or get the procedure, and I took a stress test, which was an exercise test, and my doctors checked my heart uh, rhythm as I was in exercise, and I was well enough to go on the trip. 
So I was there, and now prescribing anxiety medicine, and I'm doing fine. I'm 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 strong. I'm holding myself up. Definitely, you sound strong, and you know, so you're holding yourself up during this very well. I mean, it's a difficult time, but at the end of the day, because of this difficult time, you found your true calling. So, in a lot of ways. A lot of good has come out of, you know, some of the bad that happened, but a lot of good has come out of this whole situation, and that's a good thing. Exactly. Truly a good yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing that I tell people just from experience is when it comes, when adversity happens to you, whether you believe that you can or can't, you're right, because it's going to happen. So whether you think you can fight it or not, it's right. you're right. But use adversity as a fuel to the fire to gain success. I believe that adversity shows character, and my right. character was shown in the midst of adversity. And I think if everyone takes that approach against adversity in life, I think they'll actually find out a lot more about themselves and actually be more successful from the motivation of failure. Definitely. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I know you you have a website. You're you're getting your website in order, joshjohnsonstory dot com. But you're also on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is at six two j jonesy. That's at number six number two j j o n e s y. And also the same on Instagram and okay. facebook dot com backslash jonesy boy with an I. J O N E S Y B O I five. Josh, you, you you truly have a great story, man, and uh, it was a pleasure having you on to tell this great story. And I know you have your procedure coming up April twenty fifth. You got my prayers for that, and, and I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Continue to go out there, tell your story, man. You got a great story. Thank you for joining you us. So Let's much. do it again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Josh Jones, former Creighton guard, has a great, great story, tremendous story. And you, you wish him nothing but the best moving forward. He's not out of the woods yet, and hopefully with some of these various procedures, he can get out the woods, and hopefully he can live a very productive life. And he's taking advantage of the time that he does have here on this earth and motivating others, and that's truly, truly a great thing. Switching gears now, the weekend in sports, it's upon us. We got the Masters. We got a lot of things going on. Some great NBA, some great baseball, and to talk about it on the line now. Let's bring him in now. Our TV insider, the Sheriff Brian Sheriff. How are you, man? Hey, Paul. Good to be with you again. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Brian, there are various ways to watch the Masters. But you're going to tell us how to watch the Masters. Tell us how we should watch the Masters this weekend. Hey, well, first of all, I want to give uh, kudos to CBS Sports. Every year they do the Final Four on Monday, and the Masters comes up the following weekend. So it's a big deal for CBS Sports. This year they got lucky. The Final Four was in Atlanta, so they just jump in their cars 150 miles due east on 20, and there you are at Augusta. But uh, this tournament so far, we're right in the middle of it, Paul, and I know you referred to it earlier. Jason Day right now has the lead. Tiger Woods is on the leaderboard, but more on that in a moment. 
Masters, more than any other event, now has become an online experience. And i got to tell you, it, it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, they come on three to four hours before the normal telecast window, so it gives you a chance to do a lot of things. But it's about ultimate control for the viewer. This year they have a camera that comes on four hours in advance uh, that's on the practice range. And, of course, they uh, feature aiming corner, and then they'll have a feature group. But it, it really is a great experience. Uh, so you, have, you absolutely have a choice nowadays with a lot of sports, but no, nobody does it better than Masters.com. So that's, that's where you believe if you're really about seeing everything, go to Masters.com. Yeah, it's the ultimate fans uh, uh, experience with that. And, and a lot of times uh, we're really talking about those who really understand the game of golf or watch golf on a regular basis. But they have designed this website to the point where even the casual fan can enjoy it just because you have the total control. Wow. That's good. Control is good. Control is always good. Yeah. And we we all know in the sport of golf, it's always good when Tiger Woods is in contention. Talk about that. Yeah, well, you know, it's very interesting. This tournament, more than any other tournament, each day is like another tournament unto itself. For example, yesterday seems like a long time ago, and uh, uh, round two just concluded. Uh, But Tiger was cruising along, had actually taken the lead today, in round two, started off a few strokes back and actually uh, taken the lead with Jason Day and Fred Couples, who's playing at 53 years old, and uh, got to number 15. And golf fans that know Augusta uh, know that 15 is a par five, and a lot uh, the title pole where the big names, the big guns, think they can pick up uh, some strokes. But anyway, he was cruising along, hit his tee shot to the right on 15, had what they say layup, and then had his third shot into the green, no more than a, about 100 yards. Hit a perfect shot, Paul, that actually hit the pin. And we'll, we'll see this replay throughout the night, throughout the weekend. The shot actually hit the pin and rolled back into the water. He took a double, double bogey on the hole. So, wow. he, no, I'm sorry, he bogeyed that hole and then took another bogey on 18. So, right now, he is minus three, actually three strokes behind Jason Day, the leader, but right in the tournament. And you're right. Networks love it when Tiger is on the leaderboard, and it's going to be that kind of weekend. So tomorrow, day three, he starts off three strokes behind the leader. And that should be very exciting. Hopefully Tiger, just personally for me, hopefully he can put that red uh, shirt on on Sunday and get it done. But we'll definitely see. Some soccer going on this week. you got Barcelona and Zaragoza going on, Lionel Messi. We know him, one of the best soccer players in the world. Tell us about this. He is. Yeah, he is. And, you know, it's, uh, there's a couple of reasons I like to mention this. Uh, absolutely, Barcelona, one of the top teams. They're coming in towards the end of the La Liga season. And on Sunday, uh, Zaragoza, as you mentioned, will play Barcelona in a regular season game. Uh, Barcelona actually qualified for the uh, semifinals last Wednesday in a terrific game. Messi, who is suffering a hamstring, was brought in in the 17th, the 70th minute and actually made a perfect assist. A Magic Johnson on the soccer field 
no-look, left-handed kick pass, tied the game up, they qualify for the semifinals. Anyway, they play the regular season. So this week they're going to play on Sunday at 10 a.m. I'm sorry, 1 o'clock Eastern. So those fans who want to look a little soccer before they turn in the Masters, 1 o'clock Eastern, you'll get a chance to see the best player in the world for sure, bar none. We're talking to TV uh, insider Brian. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. We're talking to TV insider Brian Sheriff as he gives us what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. Brian, NBA, you know, the season is counting down. And one of the big stories, obviously, in the NBA is the Lakers and whether or not the Lakers can get into the playoffs. Tell us about what to watch this weekend in the world of the NBA. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first of all, the ABC game, 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Another choice for your listeners, Chicago at Miami. Hey, this game may not mean anything. You don't know who's going to play. But as you mentioned earlier, Chicago has broken now two significant streaks right. uh, in the NBA. So it's always worth watching them. Now, fans will remember when they broke Miami's streak of, of two weeks ago, it was Carlos Loser, totally muscling up Miami, and it was it was one of those times in the season where you feel that okay, you finally found a team that can contend with these guys. So, it, for that standpoint alone, it's probably worth watching this game. Late season game, they only have a few games left, but it will be a statement game. Later Definitely. that night, Definitely. though. Yeah, no, it, it should be. It definitely should be a statement game. Um, later that night, San Antonio at L.A. Lakers, NBA TV. This is 6.30 p.m. Eastern, NBA TV. Uh, San Antonio at the Lakers, and, and you well chronicled it. After this game, they both, Lakers and Utah both play tonight. They're both playing tonight. And uh, Utah will play again on Monday night, as you mentioned, against Minnesota. The Lakers have uh, – uh, Sunday, San Antonio, and then they finish up on Wednesday. As I mentioned last week, both Utah and the Lakers will play on ESPN next Wednesday night on the 17th. Utah starts an hour and a half prior to the Lakers. So it should be a very interesting night on ESPN next Wednesday night. Definitely. A lot of great basketball to be played. And I think as we talked about this before, but the reality is if you're the NBA, you want the Lakers in the playoffs. You want the Lakers in the playoffs. What's a playoff without the Los Angeles Lakers? So if you're the NBA, you're hoping that Kobe can continue to drop 47 like he did the other night against Portland. You're hoping that Dwight Howard can play a little better as well. You're hoping that the Lakers can find a way to sneak into these playoffs. That's what you're hoping for. Whether or not it will happen, it's another story. I think it will happen, by the way, but we'll see. We'll see. And also, Brian, now you got the sport of baseball. A lot of great things going on in baseball. And I know we're talking about the weekend, but I, I, I'm looking forward to Monday when you got the Padres and the Dodgers going back at it again. And we all know some of the things that happened there. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was quite a fiasco down in San Diego last night. Uh, I was actually watching both feeds. So you got Dick Ember calling on the San Diego feed. Yeah. And Tim Scully calling the L.A. feed. So Talk about legends. Yeah, they're both legends uh, calling this game, moving along. You know, on the casual game, Zach Grinky 
Grinky hits one of the Padre players, and all heck like breaks loose. So you had that big fiasco. And again, yeah, they will rematch next uh, next week here at Dodger Stadium. So this should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward. I don't think anything is really going to go off just now, but it's going to, you know, when these guys are going to get together a lot more. So it should be very interesting to see how this whole thing transpires moving forward. Ryan, you are very busy and active on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Yeah, thanks, Paul. I'm at, at Ryan Sheriff, and that's B R I A N S H E R R I F F E, at Ryan Sheriff. And of course, you're on YouTube as well. Where can fans connect with you there? Just search me on YouTube, Brian Sheriff. Brian, pleasure talking to you, man, as always. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. And, again, let's do it again. Okay, thanks a lot, Paul. Take care, Brian. Okay. Brian Sheriff, giving us what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. A lot of interesting and compelling things to watch this weekend. And I want to go to that Zach Greinke story. I mean, Zach Greinke hit Carlos Quinton yesterday. 3-2 pitch in a a one-run game. Obviously, it was a situation where Greinke really did not want to hit Carlos Quinton in that particular situation. Carlos Quinton is a guy who's been hit a lot by baseball, and a lot of people have said that he likes to hang over the plate a little bit. And he's been hit a couple times by Greinke as well, but this is a guy who likes to hang over the plate. So when you hang over the plate, you're going to get hit. This is the reality of the situation, and why was Zach Greinke want to hit you in that particular situation on a 3-2 pitch in a one-run game? That's not smart. That's not bright. That's not smart. That's not bright. So, obviously, he didn't mean to do it. And Greinke, he, he, I mean, uh, Greinke, Quentin went out to the mound, and, you know, that's what they do in the game of baseball. You know, you went out to the mound, and he did what he had to do. But in the process of doing what he felt he had to do, he broke Zach Greinke's collarbone. We're talking about the Zach Greinke who signed for $140 million in his offseason and went to Los Angeles Dodgers. So, you look at this whole situation. You look at this whole situation. And you talk about brawls in the sport of baseball. It's a part of the sport. You know, these things happen. Guys going out to the mound, guys running out to the mound. These are the things that happen in the sport of baseball. It's been happening for years and years to come. Baseball really, you know, they they haven't really done anything to deter this thing or even stop or try to stop this thing. I mean, you look at – and there's not like a good baseball brawl. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like it. Guys guys coming out from the bullpens and all different areas of the field, coming on out of the dugout and the bullpen. You got all that. I mean, it's exciting. Guys running around and guys circling each other and so on and so forth. It's pretty exciting. But anyway, you look at that whole situation, and, you know, I don't know. I think, I mean, if base, and this type of thing, this wasn't a situation where, you know, the melee from the players coming out caused this injury. It was a situation where Quentin and Cranky, went, you know, they bodied each other, or at least they banged into each other. And, and after banging into each other, Greinke walks out, you know, with a collarbone situation. And I don't know if it transpired truly there. If the injury, it seemed like the injury happened right there at that point. But looking at the whole situation, I mean, if baseball really wanted to stop these brawls, and granted, I don't think the brawl, the guys running out really caused this, but if baseball really wanted to limit these type of things, they would do it the way the NBA does in terms of if you jump off the bench, guess what, you're getting a suspension. 
So don't, don't, don't jump off the bench. You always see an NBA fight now. You see it all the time. You see guys, you see the assistant coaches and maybe the head coach, you know what, grabbing the guys on the bench, holding the guys on the bench back. You know what, don't jump on. Don't run on this court. You're going to cost your team and you get yourself a suspension. So don't run on this court. And you've seen that. You've seen that a lot. You've seen that a lot in the sport of basketball. Now, if the sport of baseball really wanted to limit these type of things, granted, they would go harder in terms of suspension on guys who charge the mound. They would go harder on that if they really wanted to limit this type of thing. That's something they would go harder on. And also they would go hard on, you know, guys if they run out now, if they run out off the bench and out of the dugout, so on and so forth, if they do that, you know, you could now at that point suspend guys for coming off the bench, coming out of the dugout, coming out of the bullpen, so on and so forth. So if baseball really wanted to limit this type of thing, they could limit this type of thing, but they really don't want to limit this type of thing. I think it's akin in some respect to fighting in hockey. Obviously, you could stop that if you wanted to stop it, but you don't want to stop it. It's part of the game. It's part of the fabric of the sport. And, you know, a bench-clearing brawl in the sport of baseball is a part of the fabric of the sport. So it's a big part of the sport, and I don't see MLB or anybody limiting this type of thing or eliminating, I should say, this type of thing. I don't see it. I don't see it. And, you know, Grinky. Collarbone situation, he's on the DL. Clavicle surgery, he's set for, so he's going to have surgery there to repair that. So he's on the 15-day DL. We'll see how long he is out for. Don Madeline says, you know what? The manager for the Dodgers said, you know what? Uh, you know, Quentin should be out as long as Cranky's out because he caused his injury. You know? It does take two to tango. They were fighting. It's not like Grinky ran away. I mean, if Grinky really didn't want to fight him, he could have ran away. He didn't run away. He stood there. He's actually said something, and he dropped the glove, and they got it on. Obviously, he didn't expect to mess up his collarbone. Uh, obviously, he didn't expect that to happen, but, you know, things happen. Stuff happens when you engage in a fight. And anything can happen when you engage in that type of situation. And anything is, is possible. And something was possible, and something did happen. That something that was possible was injury, and that injury did happen. So, you know, the Dodgers, obviously you're hurting. You're, you're pissed. You're mad. You're angry because you're one of your, one of your starters, one of, you guys, one of the guys that you paid a lot of money for is out for a while. And not because he got injured pitching. It was because he got injured fighting. So you're the Dodgers. You're going to pull for, you know what, I want Carlos Quinton to be out as long as Grinky is out. That's what you want. I don't think it will happen that way. Maybe he gets a little more than, than what a player usually gets for, for charging the mound. But we'll see how this whole thing transpires. I don't think, obviously, Grinky meant to bean Quinton in that particular situation. One run game, 3-2 count, doesn't really make sense. Doesn't all add up. Just doesn't all that all add up. So we'll see how this whole thing transpires. Should be interesting. Switching gears now was uh, before we brought on uh, Justin Cudlow, uh, Cudworth, excuse me. We were talking about Tim Tebow and Jeff Garcia, who's been working with Tim Tebow a little bit um, in this off season, has said, you know what? He feels like 
the Jets should release Tim Tebow. If to, you know, because I think if he's not involved in any type of quarterback competition, just like Jeff Garcia has said, he is going to be a distraction. I mean, if you don't believe he can be your quarterback, he's going to be a distraction. That's what he was this year. He was a complete distraction throughout the course of this year. And no fault of his own. I just think we all know what comes with Tebow mania. We all know the circus that comes to town when Tebow mania, when Tim Tebow, I should say, uh, joins your team. We all know what happens. The circus comes to town. The circus comes to town. It's not because of him, but the circus does come to town. It's not because of his doing. It's because, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that follow Tim Tebow. a lot of people that love Tim Tebow. A lot of people who love Tim Tebow. A lot of people who do. And the thing about it, because of that love, Tim Tebow becomes a distraction to your football team. He was a distraction in Denver before he took over as the starter for Kyle Horton, and we all saw what he did there. And and it seems like you know we're 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 not we're forgetting that Tim Tebow has as many champion uh, playoff victories as Tony Romo has as many playoff victories as Tony Romo. Well, you know the Tony Romo, the guy who got a guaranteed fifty-five million over the next few years. That Tony Romo. $100 million contract, Tony Romo. That guy has as many playoff victories as Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow has as many playoff victories as Tony Romo. Just as many. Is he as good as Tony Romo? No, he's not. And I'm not going to be stupid enough to say that he's better than Tony Romo because he's not. Is his ceiling as high as Tony Romo? Not even close. But does he have as many playoff victories as Tony Romo? He does. And we cannot discount and take away what he did for Denver. Denver, the Denver Broncos a couple seasons ago were left for dead with Kyle Wharton as their quarterback. Tim Tebow revived that team and got his team to the playoffs and got his team to the playoffs and beat the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers. Say what you want about Tim Tebow. Is he a great passer? No. Is he a legitimate NFL quarterback? Possibly. I don't know. But let's not say this guy can't play. And I agree with Jeff Garcia. If you believe, if he's not going to be a starter, it's no use having him there. He's just going to be a distraction. The circus will come back to town. The ESPN ESPN will be hanging out at your training camp like they did this season with Tim Tebow. I, I mean, that's just what's going to happen. That's just the reality when you bring Tim Tebow to town. The circus comes to town. I think the Jets have just released him, released him or try to trade him to somebody and get him on with his life. And we'll see if Tim Tebow will ever get another chance in the NFL. I mean, it seems like that, that door at Jacksonville has closed. So we'll see if Tim Tebow gets a chance in the NFL. I want to thank Justin Cudworth, former Eastern Michigan linebacker, for joining us. He's not on Twitter yet, not yet, but we wish him nothing but the best of luck as the NFL draft. Uh, comes to us in the next couple of weeks. Also, I want to thank Josh Jones, who has a tremendous story. Follow him on Twitter at 62JJonesy. Follow him on Twitter at 62JJonesy. I mean, the guy has a great, great story. Follow this man on Twitter and support some of the great things Josh Jones has going on. And also go to his website, joshjonesstory.com.
Also, I want to thank Brian Sheriff for stopping by. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Sheriff. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for it and also check us out on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash user slash go for it For everybody here at go for it we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.